we really felt like he was highlighting Jeremiah 6, verse 16. And I'll just read it to you. Stand at the crossroads. We felt like the Lord was saying, as we began to see things swirling, he said, you're, like, you're standing at the crossroads. You, you need to stand and look right now and ask for the ancient paths. Stand. Or stop and look. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. We spent time, on a Sunday we spent time in the prayer room. We had some nights of prayer and we really asked the Lord what he wanted to say about this. And we've got documented notes from that time. Anyway, things have continued to unfold and you know all the things that have been going on in our state and really the the pressure has come in this year, this past year, 2021 really it began, in terms of lots of mandates and different things that we're not used to. We don't necessarily agree with everything that's been going on, but in the midst of it, God's been saying, get your eyes up. And we've been speaking that. Do you remember? We've been saying this again and again. Let's get our eyes up. Because this pandemic is just a mere forewarning of things to come. And here we are. When we went on holidays, the war was just beginning. Russia invaded Ukraine and third world war really it really has begun can I just say that no one wants to use that language very much and we're doing it very nicely if you know what I mean but it has begun anyway in the swirl of it all we were weary going on holidays weary and and heavy heavy with I think um, I think part of it was grief actually for me anyway to see so much destabilizing people the people that we love I've just been amazed at how quickly things can change and I've been amazed at how accurate the words of Jesus have been all these years of course they are but now we're beginning to see greater depth and layers and there's understanding coming when Jesus said when he put all those warnings out there in Matthew 24 deception fear the love of many growing cold because of wickedness and things shaking and only the one, you know, and, and the Sermon on the Mount, the one who's built his house on the solid rock will stand. But if it's not, the storms are going to test the foundations. And our foundations are being tested right now. 
And I think it's right to say, as, as Peter writes, that judgment begins with the house of the Lord. And the Lord is coming to us. He has come to us in a way that is unique to this season. He is always coming to us, but in a way that is unique to what is happening now, happening now among us, happening now in the earth. This is a time when Jesus is coming to his temple and he's clearing out. He started the cleanup work. And if we have eyes to see it and ears to understand, God have mercy on us that we respond in a posture of humility and that we let Him, that we let Him. And the part of this scripture in Jeremiah 6.16 that the Lord began to emphasize to me in our first week of holidays I'll read it to you because it goes on the last sentence was verse 16 and you will find rest for your souls how gracious is God this is the way of rest he knew in 2020 March 2020 what was going to unfold in the near future to this date and he knows the rest of the course before Jesus returns he knows it. The prophets have prophesied about it. Jesus warned about it. John saw it in Revelation. But you said we will not walk in it. That's the next sentence. But you said we will not walk in it. I pointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said we will not listen. Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 10 here was another weighty scripture that the Lord just began to stir in me and um, it's, it's been a really grievous time to hear him speak in this I want you to hear his heart verse 10 to whom can I speak and give warning but Jesus said he's looking for friends. He's looking for friends. To whom can I speak, says the Lord to Jeremiah. Whom can I speak? Who will listen to me? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. And the word of the Lord is offensive. Do you know that the word repentance is offensive to many people today in the body of Christ? The word repentance, repent, is offensive. And yet for the Lord, it is mercy. It is his mercy. They find no pleasure in it. There's no pleasure in it. Take that word away. And from the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. What's in it for me? They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. The Lord is weary of this. 
just want to say what he said to me. Okay, that's all I can say. This is the sense we have and we've been sharing it this week in the prayer room. But this is the summary. The Lord is saying, new life. That might surprise you. New life. There's things that I've been speaking. I've been speaking to you as individuals. I've been saying things. I've I've raised, you might think they're small things, but they're serious things. The Lord says, I've been saying, deal with that offense in your heart. You've not been listening. I've been saying, guard your lips and the words that are coming out of your mouths. You're not listening. You don't regard my word as serious. I've been saying, don't harbor that unforgiveness. Go and be reconciled. You're not listening. I've been saying, draw aside. I've been saying, come to me. Stop some stuff and come to me. And you've justified your reasons for being busy. Because they're good, good things. The Lord says you're not listening. I've come to you at a point, a fork in the road. He's come, says I come as the one who is seated above it all. And instead of my word judging your hearts, my heart, You judge my word. And you use humanistic wisdom. You say, no, this is what is wise. The Lord says, that's not my wisdom. That's an earthly wisdom. And what has it brought you? Peace? Rest? The Lord says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 8, Son of man, of man do you see do you see what the elders of Israel are doing they say it doesn't matter brought back to me. It's been one that he's used again and again in my life and to my heart and it's Jeremiah 2. The prophet Jeremiah, I don't know, he speaks to my heart. (laughs) Jeremiah 2 verse 13. My people have committed two sins. This is the crux of the matter. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. 
this is the core issue. This is the heart of the matter. That you've forsaken me as the spring of living water. And you've gone, let's dig here. This appeals more. This is a place where we can find water, where we can find water. Doing things in our own strength and also refusing to come to Jesus, trying to fix things, trying to walk a path of repentance, but it's in your own strength. It doesn't work that way. And God is saying, you, you've forsaken me. Even in trying to do good, it's your pride that's leading not a desire to be humbled before me to acknowledge me as the source one of the pictures that came forward this morning someone saw a basket of eggs and then they noticed a chicken that was sort of running around sort of I think the impression I got was sort of not central to the picture but on the peripheral the Lord was saying, don't neglect the source. The eggs have a source, but you're putting all your eggs here and you're focusing on the eggs, but the eggs break. The eggs can be stolen. The eggs can be eaten. All kinds of things happen to the eggs, but don't neglect the source. And I mention that because that's what he's saying. And the last thing the Lord wants is for us to become a dualistic people where we say, well, when we come here, when we come to the prayer room, when we do this or do that, but the rest of the time we're doing things in our own strength, in our own way, in our own wisdom. That was Ezekiel 8. I think I said 12, 8, but it's 8, 12. Okay. Son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing in the darkness, each at the shrine of his own idol? They say the Lord does not see us. The Lord sees and the Lord hears. something for someone else but they don't want it for themselves it's hard to sit in the place when you want something for a person and many of us experiences we we have we have people who don't know Christ and we we want them to know Christ we want them to be consumed with Christ and 
one of the things that um, along with all those other things that Julie shared not one of the things for me is is are we actually consumed with Christ as a church are we consumed with Christ and and is the church on a bigger scale consumed with Christ are people looking at us and seeing Jesus is it is the thing that's that's burning for me and I understand that we're we're all in different places of maturity and brokenness and that but but the thing is when people scratch us do we bleed Jesus whatever that might look like do we bleed Jesus or do we bleed something else what comes out of our mouth when we rub each other up the wrong way does Jesus come out of our mouths does the words of Jesus come out or does something else come out and this, this thing of um, what we're saying is there's a weightiness on this and we feel like the Lord is, is calling us because in 2020 when we had those, not, those crossroad nights and we were focusing on Jeremiah, Jeremiah 6 we felt like the Lord was not emphasizing that last phrase of that verse but we feel like he is now and it's a really sobering word where his invitation has come but our heart response has been maybe a partial response but really in the core of our heart has been a response like I actually don't want to do that God I don't want to disrupt my life God I'm quite happy with my life and if, if I deal with my sin if I deal with what's really going on it's going to be very disruptive to me and I, don't, I don't, really don't want to do that and so this thing of living as a people without mixture. And you might remember, those of you that are familiar with, with the instructions that are given to the nation of Israel, to be, they're a holy people, they're a set-apart people because they're called into relationship with God. And Peter picks up this theme in his letter and says to, to the church, but you're a holy people, you're a royal priesthood set apart. And you think about the instructions that were given to Israel. And one of the instructions that was given to them is that they're not allowed to sow two types of grain in their field. They're not allowed to wear clothes that are made of two different fibers. They're not allowed to eat certain foods. And all of this, as Christians, sometimes we go, well, that's old covenant. We're done with that. But we've missed the picture. It's a picture of holiness. It's a picture of people living without mixture because we're fully devoted to him. And if he says, don't wear clothes with two fabrics, we're like, we're on board with that, God, because that's what you've asked us to do. But there's this thing that's come in amongst us, and I'm, I'm speaking to us because you are the people that the Lord has entrusted to us. And I'm also aware that it's actually pretty much a global issue in the body of Christ. We've become a people of mixture. We, we tolerate things that, that God does not tolerate. We allow things in our own lives and we, 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 we see sin happening in the people in this congregation and we go... We speak about it, perhaps to others, but we don't speak to them and say, what's your plan to deal with that sin? We've got to, be, we've got to grow up as a people. And part of it is we actually don't, the, 
the root of this is actually a lack of love. And one of the words that people sometimes speak about is in God speaking about freedom. And I do believe God is speaking about freedom. But I want to say from what I believe and what many in the body of Christ are saying, sorry, what I believe God is saying and what some others in the body of Christ are saying are very different things because I believe, what do you think the ultimate freedom you could have is? Let's, let me ask you that question. I'm not asking you to call it out. It's a rhetorical question. It doesn't require a response except in your mind. What is the greatest freedom that, that you could have? It's this reality. And to me, it comes down to these two things, which are the great commandments. The freedom to truly love God as he is. To love him with that and be unoffended by what he does. To love him with all of our hearts. To heart, love him soul, with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength. And then to be able to love the people I can see in the way that he loves me. Without self protection. But we we spend time together. Most Sundays, we spend time together most Sundays and different times of week. But actually, at, but we're not really able, we're not perfected in love, are we? We walk around protecting ourselves. We're afraid of being hurt. And some of that's for very good reason, because people do hurt us. Some people hurt us deliberately. And some people hurt us inadvertently. And sometimes we interpret a look is something which it isn't. We tell ourselves a story that's not true because we actually want to believe something bad about that person. We want to have a reason to exclude them from our lives rather than move our hearts towards them and love them. And this is a great challenge. So whenever you hear the word freedom from now on, I hope you'll hear the word, the freedom to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind and strength truly love him truly fully submitted to him freedom to to fully give myself to him the freedom to fully love people who i can see in the way that jesus loves me this is what paul is speaking about isn't it in ephesians 3 and we pray this we pray that he's saying to the body of christ that your roots will be deep in the soil of god's love You'll be rooted and grounded in the love of God. You'll know how expansive it is because when you live from that place of, I understand how I've experienced how expansive God's love is, then I will overflow in love towards other people. I will actually be out of love and a love without self-protection. Now for those people, when you're living, when you've got people in your life who are abusing you, I'm not talking about not taking measures to not tolerate that. I'm not speaking about that. But I am saying, let's pursue something far greater than we've got. New Life, one of the things that um, one of the things that we've been burdened about, actually, are the things that we've heard being spoken within our own community. As the pressure has come, right? Mm. We didn't ask for that pressure. Have to decide whether we do this or we do that. Do we line up on this side or we line up on that side? But the circumstances around us have forced us to make decisions 
And we've allowed those decisions to come between us, perhaps not, you know, not superficially, but at a deeper level. And the Lord says, I see that. And you know what? He loves us too much. He's a jealous God. He's jealous for us. Do you know, he loves us. He loves this community. He really loves us. And we've allowed such trivial things to have priority in our hearts. In the unseen place. The conversations between two people. The conversations between husband and wife. The Lord says, I see and it matters. Because his heart is always that mercy would triumph over judgment. And I have to say our tendency is that judgment would triumph over mercy. And it's not pretty. But the Lord is gracious. And he has intersected us. Because he loves us. And you know what? He speaks because he knows that there will be a response from some, hopefully all of us, just to simply say, Lord, woe is me, for I am a man, I am a woman of unclean lips, and yet my eyes have seen the King. And if your eyes haven't seen the King, that's his invitation. That was the invitation to Asaph in Psalm 73. When read it, when he was being he was burdened, he was looking at the, the wickedness prospering. And he was like, if I had said what was in my heart to say, I would have discouraged so many people. He said, It wasn't until I went into the sanctuary of God. It's not until I saw God, not until I got my perspective way higher. Understood. You read that psalm. How quickly we want to sit down here and wallow in our own opinions, subjective opinions, and divide each other with all kinds of things, all kinds of beliefs and ideologies, none of which glorify God. who will listen to me who will heed this warning because there's a lot more to come and in it you know Matthew 24 Jesus warned of betrayal do you know what that's caused me to shake on the inside in the last 12 months because I can see the seeds of it and if you have spoken slanderously or with anger and rage about someone else because of their certain stance or belief over a certain thing, whatever it is, that right there is what the Lord says amongst my body. That is betrayal. That is betrayal. And the seeds are in us. 
the Lord is saying, come to me. I want to wash you clean. I want to give rest to your souls. I want to cleanse. Enough. Enough. Jesus Christ is the head of his body. And if we love him, we love one another. If he hasn't left us, then neither will I. Right? If anyone has the right to walk away from the church right now, isn't it Jesus? And yet it's happening all over the place. We walk away in our hearts and then we walk away with our feet. And then we're alone and we isolate. And, And we can take that place of judgment. Because I left something that was sinful. Well, Jesus never left a sinful bride. He said, no, I'm absolutely confident And when he was questioned by the Pharisees, what are the two greatest commandments? He came straight back. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and strength. And I receive that today as a prophecy that the bride of Christ who he calls his bride, he's going to purify and he's going to change us from the inside out and he shall have a people who love him more than they love their own self-protection, protecting the shame and the guilt. And the what if people see that, what will they think about me? Jesus rose above that. He scorned the shame. He hung naked on a cross and he released forgiveness. And his resurrection life is in me and it's in all of us who profess him to be Lord. May the testimony of our mouths be coming from hearts that have been cleansed by the truth. Otherwise, may we not speak the name of Christ because he is worthy. Isn't he? He's worthy. He's worthy. New life, he's worthy. the pictures Wednesday morning in the prayer room was of an ice block and it was beginning to melt and as the ministry was happening and the prayers were being prayed there was like a thawing out and there's a thawing out we need to sit by the hot fire you're feeling numb you're feeling disconnected the Lord has come He's come with healing in his wings. He's come with correction. He's come with a gentle rebuke. Have you lost your first love? What are the things that have consumed? What are the things that have become greater than pursuing the knowledge of him, the experience of him in this hour? The Lord is saying, come. It's time. It's time for a change. 
another person Wednesday morning before before I even started to speak they had they saw a picture of a, of, of a, a speed bump and they didn't understand what's this picture of a speed bump and as I opened up to Jeremiah 6 their eyes went down to the verse in Jeremiah chapter 6 21 therefore this is what the Lord says I will put obstacles before this people that is an unrepentant people I will put obstacles says the Lord parents and children alike will stumble over them the Lord says to Hosea I will hedge you in with thorn bushes because he's a jealous God he's a covenant keeping God and those whose hearts belong to him he'll come to us as a refining fire and he will give us rest for our souls repentance leads to rest Isaiah 26 repentance leads to rest that's true freedom nothing between me and him nothing between me and him got a song songs are wonderful because they lead us together we say something together you know when we sing you can have it all Lord or whatever this is not a one message it's all over today we, we just, we believe that just as the tide comes in, if you ever watch the tide come in, it goes, it ebbs and it flows, but it moves. And we believe that as we allow space for the Lord and as we respond to him, as we respond to him looking at our hearts and bringing correction, as we receive his kindness and his mercy and we just keep saying yes that that tide's going to come in till we're standing ankle deep knee deep remember this one waist deep let's not just dabble around on the edges but let's create a space for him among us there is a king seated among us. We sang that at the beginning. Let every heart receive him now. Let's bring prayers. If he's been putting his finger on that which is rebellion, that which is sinful, that thing which he wants to purify and bring us peace, let's respond. Let's do that. If we can sing a song of invitation and we're going to have the feast of Jesus and we're going to invite, we are going to invite you if you want to make a response this, this morning. And you know what? Even if you don't particularly, you may have something he's spoken about 
but or if you're feeling like Lord I'm not sure my heart's beating a little bit faster but I'm not really sure it hasn't formed for me this is the first time I've heard this this week do you know what when you make a response to that every time we make a response the Lord gives if I harden my heart if I go oh no I don't think so or let fear dominate then there's you know then we stay in a certain place he's looking for a response as we've been worshipping this morning and listening there's apparently been a lot a lot of words and pictures and scriptures um, that you've you've brought down the front and uh, just chatting with these guys I've just Dan's going to bring a summary of those those words just a two-minute summary it's hard to summarize so we can't go through every word but we've written them down okay I want you to know that and it all contributes to the Lord speaking in the midst of us which is awesome isn't it that's what we want and we want him to keep stirring so Daniel for you to share with us Yeah, there's been a lot this morning, so thank you everyone who's come forward. There feels like there's there's two uh, two sides of a double-edged sword, if I can call it that. And the first is this, that His banner over us is love. That what is happening right now is God coming to us, like in Revelation 3.20, where Jesus stands at the door of the church and He knocks. And he says, whoever hears my voice, I'm coming. I want to eat with you. I want to dine with you. I want to sit at the table. And if you'll invite me in, if you'll invite me in as king, as Lord, submitting your life to me, my father and I will eat with you and dine with you. And someone saw this picture of a, of a man standing on the shore with a wave. And there was a wave coming. And this man had control over this huge wave and this person is new into our community they don't know that a wave coming from the ocean flooding the city of Fremantle with the love of God is a common picture in the prophetic history of this church and I believe God is wanting to release that wave into our hearts that he is coming to fill us afresh to stir us from slumber to awaken us to release the resources of heaven to empower us for holy living and bring us to obedience because He loves us and because we will love Him back. This is good news this morning. It's the kindness of a Father leading us to repentance and the double edge of this sword is there is also an urgency that comes with this word. The time is short. The trials we're in right now, more are coming. More pain is coming. More fearful events. More reasons for division are coming. Terror is coming. And we're seeing some of that in Ukraine. But if we will heed Jesus' word to live in His love and live in His kingship, trusting the way He says to live, we will have hearts prepared. And if we immerse them in His love, walk in His love, we can walk forward in strength together as His body. Those who know their God 
will walk in power. Those who know their God will walk in love and great exploits. Romans 13 says this, and Lauren, if you want to come up, understand the present times, is Romans 13. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believe. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just going to pray over us. And if this morning as you've been listening to these words, sometimes you can... You're agreeing with the words. You can even sense it in, in your spirit a little. But the, just, the heart disconnect is there. And I had a picture this morning of a recess room. And God is, wants to resuscitate some of us that are on the precipice of a spiritual coma. Even though we're in the place and we're in the place of worship, in the place of prayer, or we read his word, but inside we're dull. And it just reminds me again of Ezekiel 37. And so I'm going to speak this over us as a declaration this morning. If this is a word you need to receive, I just encourage you to put your hands out. And he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these dry, to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. And so I spoke this message and there was a rattling noise all across the valley and the bones of each body came together and came together as complete skeletons. And I watched as muscles and flesh formed over the bones, skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. So he said, Speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. And I spoke the message as he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet. A great army. And God, this is our prayer this morning for this community of new life. God, we are in need of resuscitation and reviving in our hearts again that there would be new life in us again, God. What our name is, Lord, would that be a reality in our hearts today, God? And when there's been difficulty and there's been circumstances, a a sustained period of challenges, Lord, God, save us from ourselves, Lord, that our hearts would not grow weak and weary, that our pulse would almost be fading. But Lord, that you would come and revive our weary hearts, Lord. Come and bring us back to our first love again, Lord. And I just ask now, Lord, that you would break off just a spirit of heaviness or a spirit of death that rests on anyone in this room, Lord, that you would break that off in the name of the Lord Jesus and you would set free, Lord, that you would deliver from a spirit of condemnation, from heaviness, from shame, from accusation when the accuser has come amongst us to rob us of the life that is already ours in Christ Jesus. Lord, would you come, Holy Spirit, like a refiner's fire, 
breathe life into our hearts again. And if that's your cry this morning, I just ask you to join with me. Let's not be silent in life, in our passivity or in our conservativeness or whatever we speak over ourselves. Let's lift our voices, speak it out loud with me, God. We need you to come in this day and in our time, Lord, today, not in a week, not in two months, God, but today in the midst of the difficulty, we need grace to contend for all that you have laid hold of us for. So Jesus, come and help us to rend our hearts and not our garments, Lord, not to sit through another meeting and hear your word but not respond, Lord. Give us the grace to respond for your banquet of love on offer today, God. And so we respond, Lord, our hearts collectively say today, yes, Lord, shape us into that vast army ready for the season that is ahead, not for our sake, Lord, but for your glory, for the glory of your name in this city and in this season of the earth, Lord, that your name would be the name that would be proclaimed as a banner over the city of Fremantle once again, God. Come and breathe life into our weary bodies and our weary spirits. We thank you that it's from you, Lord. It's all from you. It's not a work that we conjure up in our own strength, Lord. But we just simply say yes, and you come. You bring the life. You fill us with your love. You are the one who does this work in in our hearts, Lord. And so we simply come again and say yes. Yes, Lord, to all that you are doing in our hearts today. As as Lauren began to share that picture of the person in the coma, it made sense to me of this phrase from Jeremiah 6 that was just reverberating through my spirit um, before when we when we were singing that song, Resurrender. And it's this declaration that God says that they offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wound. And it's this sense of we often minimize two things. We minimize our sin and we minimize our woundedness. got to stop both we've got to stop minimising our sin and thinking we go well I haven't done any of the big (laughs) the big ones God this one is okay and and realise that actually sin in all its forms is a mortal wound and the only remedy is the cross of Christ it's repentance at the cross of Christ to say God how I need you how I need you Julie's going to share something and then I think we'll be probably closing and inviting people who want prayer to come forward and others will invite you just to make your way quietly out but we're not there just yet but I want to encourage you people to sit with this scripture from Jeremiah 6 verse 14 during the week would you take some time during the week and say God just expose just show me anywhere where I am trivializing or minimizing my sin 
rather than seeing it as what it really is, a mortal wound. Um, I didn't had no plans to share this this morning, but um, as Lauren was praying and from Ezekiel 37, I just felt like the Holy Spirit saying, need to share this with family. And um, as family, I want to share with you um, not all the details, but how the Lord has been working in our family. And by our family, I mean our children, our sons, their wives, and our grandchildren. Um, and we have a vision for our family to be a family that prays together and a family that goes deep in God together. That's been our enduring vision. And we, you know what? We've been through a season where has, a lot of it has been dry bones. Is that right, kids? We've been through a season where there's been trials and we've been able to share those trials together, like share them. And then we've been, been able to actually minister, begin to minister like deeply to each other. But I want to say, the reason I'm saying this is because the enemy will contend for that in our families, even in families to be divided, to not be willing to speak a word to one another that might be uncomfortable or it might sound dishonoring or whatever. But God has so much more. And I just feel like, like the Lord is just adding new life again to our family and he wants it to do it in your family and in our family of new life and I share this as an encouragement it's just so delightful to see the healing and the releasing new boundary lines you know what I'm talking about new boundary lines coming forth giftings being stirred up to watch your grandchildren. How delightful to watch a two-year-old like this in the worship this morning. And I say this so that you know that even families who've got a generational inheritance, we still have to contend for the promised land, for everything that God has for us to walk into. And there is nothing that holds him back. Nothing that holds him back. I was reading just yesterday about a, a, a prophetic voice that God raised up. If he was alive now, he'd be 90. And the number of the numerous prophetic words that God gave this man that are still being fulfilled, the accuracy of them. And you know, he grew up in a home with an alcoholic father. You see, there is nothing. There is a generational blessing that God brings and he wants families to walk in that. But you can't say that's not been my experience because God will work where the heart is open, where the heart is obedient. And there's a witness and there's a testimony. And no matter what 
our past, no matter what our generational history, if I will believe that God is greater, if I will trust in the truth, not the lies, not the accusations of the enemy, it's just like God said to Ezekiel, those bones are going to live. Are they going to live, Ezekiel? Ezekiel's like, I don't know. Some of us are going, I don't know. And he's saying, you prophesy. You prophesy. You express your trust in me and in my life. And you prophesy life. Father, the cry of our hearts is don't leave us as we are. We desire you. We need you. And thank you that you desire us and that you will help us. And your grace is sufficient and your power is manifest in our weakness. Thank you that as we exit this place today, that you will continue this work that you have begun in us. You will see it through to completion to perfect Christ in us. So that people see Jesus and hear Jesus and feel Jesus when they are with us. All praise to you, God. The blessing of God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit rest on you, New Life Church. And his peace guard your hearts and minds in the knowledge of Christ Jesus.